Revelation 16 is the seven last plagues, verses 1 through 21. The seven last plagues. Now, the seven last plagues in the sequence of Revelation follow right after the three angels' messages in chapter 14. And chapter 15 is sort of the um, transition from the 144,000 three angels' messages to the seven last plagues. We saw last week in chapter 15 that when temple f- or when the temple is filled with smoke from the glory of the Lord, that, that is the close of probation, that Jesus has come out of the sanctuary at the end of the judgment, at the day of atonement, and that's when the seven last plagues begin to be poured out. And so now we are going to study the seven last plagues today. Now, <clears throat> if this is your first time here in the class, welcome, we're glad to have you. I want you to realize that you know the seven last plagues are a picture of the justice of God, but there have been 15 chapters leading up to this point. Um, and if you understand the first 15 chapters of Revelation, you'll understand why there is a need for the justice of God in the pouring out of the seven last plagues. And I'll just set that up now by saying the reason there is a need for the seven last plagues is because throughout the first 15 chapters, we've seen that God's people have been attacked by Satan and the power that he works through here on this earth. And um, you can see it in the seven churches where the church of Smyrna, the second church, um, they were persecuted, they were destroyed, and that continued then on through the 1260 years. Then in the seven seals, you see it in the time of the four horsemen. And then in the fifth seal, the souls cry out under the altar, How long, O Lord, till you judge and avenge our blood? So God's people were persecuted. They were slain for being faithful to him. And so, and then when we get to the seven last plagues, it makes more sense. So I'm going to read a couple of quotes just to start things off. <clears throat> and this is found in Great Controversy, page 627. This is from the chapter, The Time of Trouble. So this um, gives us some background or some foundation for understanding the seven last plagues. So page 627. When Christ ceases his intercession in the sanctuary, the unmingled wrath threatened against those who worship the beast in his image and receive his mark will be poured out. The plagues upon Egypt, when God was about to deliver Israel, were similar in character to those more terrible and extensive judgments which are to fall upon the world just before the final deliverance of God's people. So notice what the seven last plagues are compared to. And it's interesting, if you go through the ten plagues of Egypt, the characteristics of the ten plagues that were poured upon Egypt and the seven last plagues, there's definitely some similarities. Water turning to blood, you'll see that. Why were the ten plagues poured on Egypt? What, What did we see here? We see that God was just about to deliver his people before he took them to the promised land. And likewise, with the seven last plagues, when the seven last plagues begin to be poured out on the wicked, then you can know that God's people are just about to be delivered to spiritual Canaan. So, yes, 
the seven last plagues seem awful, but then at the same time, it's very good news because now we know that God's people are just about to be delivered from this wicked earth. So that's sort of just setting things up. So let's go ahead and get into the seven last plagues. We'll read some of the verses here. I'd like a volunteer to read verses 1 and 2. We have a volunteer down here. So Revelation 16, verses 1 and 2. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Okay. So first of all, we see in verse 1 that the seven angels who have the seven vials with the seven last plagues are told to go and pour out these vials on the earth in order. And they're pouring out the wrath of God on the earth. And notice the first plague. What is the first plague? Okay, these are sores. And they're grievous sores who fall upon men. And which men... Um, receive these sores. So those who have the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Now, we studied Revelation 13, so we have an understanding of what the mark of the beast is and what the image is and those who worship his image. (coughs) So, (coughs) you know, you may ask, well, you know, how could God do this? Why is he afflicting Um, these people with this grievous sore and any thoughts on that why why are these people being singled out to receive this grievous sore so i mean the verse pretty much tells us the reason why they received this grievous sore is because they received the mark of the beast that's pretty obvious now the other point that should be brought out, though, is that <clears throat> there really was no excuse for anyone to receive the mark of the beast. Because by this point in the book of Revelation, everyone who is living during the time when the seven last plagues will be poured out will have lived during the time when the three angels' messages were given with power. And when it was very clearly stated what the mark of the beast is and what it means to worship his image. And so everybody on earth has a choice to make whether or not they will worship God or whether they'll worship the beast in his image. And so everyone will have had an opportunity to hear the three angels' messages, which remember, the three angels' messages are God's last three messages of mercy to this world. So God gives three messages of mercy the three angels' messages, before he pours out the seven last plagues. So anyone who received the seven last plagues received a full measure of the mercy of God in being warned of the mark of the beast and what it means to worship the image so that when they receive the outpouring of the seven last plagues, God has already done everything that he could to save those people and they rejected him. So God has already poured out all of his mercy. These people have rejected his mercy. So we see then that a grievous sore falls upon those who have the mark of the beast, 
those who worship his image. Now, let's try to draw a few parallels to the plagues of Egypt and to the seven last plagues. It's not full and complete, but just a few points. The plagues in Egypt, as you remember, there were, um, the water was turned to blood, frogs came all over the place, um, great hail came and, and destroyed some of the beasts. But for example, the Nile turned to blood, frogs came out all over the place. What was the Nile River and what were the frogs representative of to the Egyptians? Yeah, they were gods to the Egyptians. So, and of course they were false gods, they were idolatrous gods, and so God takes um, the gods of Egypt and turns them into a plague because these are things that the Egyptians should not have been worshiping. So, let's draw a spiritual analogy. Why is it that... men receive a grievous sore on their bodies. Okay, so here's the key point. If you think about it, these grievous sores are on their flesh. They're on their body. These are people who worshiped their flesh or they allow their fleshly lusts to dominate their lives rather than fearing God and giving glory to him during the hour of God's judgment. So they have the choice, fear God, give glory to him, the last messages of mercy to this world, or follow after your own fleshly desires. And so the first plague is a grievous sore upon the flesh which people have worshipped. Now one other thing Ellen White says, which is interesting, she says in page 628 of Great Controversy that these plagues are not universal or the inhabitants of the earth would be wholly cut off Yet they will be the most awful scourges that have been ever known to mortals. All the judgments upon men prior to the close of probation have been mingled with mercy. The pleading blood of Christ has yielded the sinner from receiving the full measure of his guilt. But in the final judgment, wrath is poured out unmixed with mercy. So in the places where these plagues are poured out, there's no mercy. And yet it's not universal. So you you could almost argue, well, if there was no mercy at all, it would be entirely universal and everyone would um, receive the, the, um, the full <clears throat> affliction. So that's the first plague. Now let's go on. Let's get through um, <clears throat> verses three through, um, 3 through 7. Could I have a volunteer read Revelation 16 verses 3 through 7? Okay, down here. And we, we have a microphone, sorry. So it's coming. Wow. It's for the recording. So. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, but it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Okay. So this is the second and the third plagues. And in the second plague, we see that um, 
the angel pours out his vial on the sea, and the sea becomes as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And remember, again, these are not universal, so um, it's probably not in indicative that all the oceans become sea, but probably one of the big oceans will turn into blood. That's going to be quite a story. Now remember, um, when God's people give these messages of warning, the seven last plagues will be part of the message that we should be sharing to the world. So we give the three angels messages, the messages of mercy, and we also point out the message of the seven last plagues. And many people will accept this message, but a, quite a number of people will reject this message. So <clears throat> when you start to see people receiving grievous sores, large, large bodies of water turning into blood, then you can know that probation has closed for the world and the seven last plagues are being poured out. And it is then that the wicked will know that God's people were right in what they taught and what they said. Um, so that's going to be quite a time. And we, we certainly want to be on the right side of the equation when these seven last plagues start falling. So water turns to blood. And then the second and the third plague kind of go together. The third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. So first we see the sea turns into blood. Then we see the rivers turn to blood. And so verses 6 and 7 tell us, or verses 5, 6, and 7 tell us <clears throat> why God turns water into blood. <clears throat> so why is it that God turns water into blood? Right, so it's because the, the blood of the saints has been shed by the power that Satan works through here on this earth. And during the 1260 years, it was papal Rome. And during the time of Jacob's trouble, again, it's going to be this three... <clears throat> we'll, we'll study about this later, but again, papal Rome will come back again and persecute God's people and the blood of the saints will be shed. <clears throat> And so because of that, when God pours out his judgments during the seven last plagues, he will turn water into blood, or in other words, he will give the wicked w blood to drink because they are worthy to drink blood because they shed the blood of the saints. We have a, we have a comment here. <clears throat> One of the things you see in these plagues is that it's the uh, carrying out of a... Uh, it's a demonstration of the justice. The text says that they are worthy. Right. One of the texts you read uh, used a different phrase, but it says they are worthy. Uh -huh. In Revelation chapter 13 and verse 15, mm -hmm. it says, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. The image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Mm. The connection here between the death decree and the plagues yeah. is uh, a relevant uh, subject. Definitely. We, we must see that God here is stepping out in front uh, to deliver his people. Right. These people are in open opposition against the God of heaven. Right. And he is carrying out a swift justice. I'm glad you, you brought that up because um, what we see is um, in Revelation 13, and it, it goes along with what we're seeing here in Revelation 16, there's going to be a death decree for against God's people who do not receive the mark of the beast and those who do not worship his image. And so that's when God says that's it. 
you make a death decree against my people for following God completely, and you're going to kill them for that. That's it. No more. Now you're going to receive the seven last plagues. So that, that's a very key point. God's just not arbitrarily starting to pour out his seven last plagues. It's in response to the close of probation, and the close of probation happens universally when a death decree um, is declared against God's people if they will not worship the beast and the, and the image. So um, that's a key point. And we have another comment. Um, um. In Revelation 17 and verse 14 says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, overcome them for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. Right. So we'll get to Revelation 17 hopefully next week. Um, and that's a very interesting chapter. So here we see that <clears throat> they are receiving blood to drink. But notice this also. Notice what the angels say about God. They say, you are, you are righteous, O Lord, which are and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. And then again in verse 7, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So what we see here is that when God pours out his judgments, he is righteous or he is right in doing so. Or in other words, he is vindicated to pour out these judgments upon the wicked. And there's a couple of reasons why, and we've seen this. The first reason is God is righteous or vindicated to pour out these judgments because the wicked are unfairly trying to kill the righteous. That's point number one. So God is vindicated to pour out these plagues because the wicked are unlawfully and unrighteously trying to destroy the righteous. And secondly, God is vindicated to pour out these judgments because probation is closed and his people are mature enough and ready enough, we studied about this in chapter 15 last week, to go through the seven last plagues and to live through this time um, the way Job did when he was afflicted. So God is righteous to pour out these judgments on the wicked because the wicked are, are fully, have reached the full measure of iniquity and the righteous, his righteous people, have reached the full measure of righteousness that they will reach just before Jesus comes. So let's move on, starting in verse 8. Um, <clears throat> and let's read verses 8 through 11. A volunteer to read verses 8 through 11 of Revelation 16. Right back there. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these things. And they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and did not repent of their deeds. Okay, so this is interesting. Um, here we read about the fourth and the fifth plagues. Um, in the fourth plague, we see great heat. Men are scorched with heat. 
And, um, you know, you think about the hottest places on earth. Um, I was at Death Valley six months ago. I think um, up until a few years ago, I had the highest recorded temperature of 130-something degrees Fahrenheit. And um, the people who were there that day said that the birds that flew out, um, if they flew out from under the shade, they were stricken immediately and just fell down to the earth dead from the heat. Um, 132 degrees. Somehow I think that the heat that this is describing will probably be even hotter than the heat of Death Valley. Um, so it's going to be pretty hot. And the response of the wicked is they blaspheme the name of God. They repent not to give him glory. And in the fifth where there's darkness, they gnaw their tongues for pain. Again, it says they blaspheme the God of heaven. Now, let's make a connection here. Is there a power on earth that is associated with blasphemy? You see a power associated with blasphemy in Revelation 13, the one that has seven heads and ten horns, speaks having the name of blasphemy. That's papal Rome. So, those who receive the mark of the beast will participate in the spirit of papal Rome or the spirit of the beast that spoke blasphemy. And when the seven last plagues are poured out, they will also blaspheme God. So that's point number one. Second point that's interesting is notice in the fourth plague, it says when they blaspheme God, it also says they repented not to give him or God glory. Now can we make a connection also to something else in the preceding chapters. Remember the first angel's message, fear God, give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. So what is analogous to giving glory to God? It's repentance. Because here it says they repented not to give God the glory. In other words, if you repent, you give God the glory. So if we live a life of repentance during the time of the judgment, we fear God, we give glory to him by repenting of our sins, then we are prepared to live through the time of the judgment. And when the seven last plagues are poured out, we will go through that time. However, if when the three angels' messages are given and we do not repent of our sins and we decide to keep living in our own way, we will receive the mark of the beast. And when the seven last plagues are poured out, our character has already been solidified. It's already been determined which side we're on. God knows that. And so the fruits of the character of these people come out. They repent not to give God the glory. They blaspheme his name. They have the spirit of the beast that has the name of blasphemy, which is papal Rome. So that's what we see here in these plagues. The, the fourth and the fifth plagues, those, the wicked, they will blaspheme God. They will repent not to give God the glory. Therefore, they did not have the experience of the three angels' messages. So that's through the f- first five plagues. And, the f- and again, if you remember William Miller's rules of prophetic interpretation, you take something literally unless it's obviously meant to be symbolic. And we have no reason um, in the first five plagues to not take those plagues literally. The, the plagues in Egypt were literal. Ellen White says that the seven last plagues will be similar in nature to the plagues of Egypt. So these first five plagues appear to be very literal. Grievous sores, water turning into blood, scorching heat, darkness. So <clears throat> this takes us now to, th- yeah, a question. We have a question down here. 
So we're going to get into the last two plagues in the remaining time, and we'll see if we can finish them today. But question down here. In uh, verse 10, it says the fifth angel poured out his vial upon oh, the yes. of the beast. Uh -huh. um, is that the same as Revelation 17 where the beast is uh, burned with fire because the ten kings hate the beast? Um, it, what verse in chapter 17 are you talking about? That's 16. Uh, verse 16. Um, I think that it's not a perfect analogy. I think that's more towards the very end. Where, right, here we have the seed of the beast is in darkness. And I, I forgot to mention this. The seed of the beast. Um, the seed of the beast is Rome. And so if you take this literally, and, and again, I haven't seen a lot of commentary on this, but I have no reason to believe otherwise than to believe that when it says the seat of the beast, it's referring to literal Rome, where the seat of the beast literally is today, and that Rome will literally be under darkness, and those who are there will gnaw their tongues for pain. Um, now, Revelation 17, that is when you have... Um, the, s the seventh head, and we'll talk about this, where you have the one world union, which follows the sixth head, which is the United States, and the eighth, which was of the seven, which is papal Rome coming together. And that, and, and then the, the final destruction by fire, that would be later in the picture than the fifth plague, as I see it. Now, we, we can talk about this later. Right, so this is progressive, and we're getting to that actually here with the sixth and the seventh plagues. So I want to move to the sixth plague here. Um, and th let's read um, verses 12 through 16. This is very fascinating. A volunteer back there to read Revelation chapter 16, verses 12 through 16. <clears throat> and, the, and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and now the mouth of the beast, and now the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth, and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth, and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. And he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Okay. So this is getting very interesting, of course. Everything in the Bible is interesting, but I think this is especially interesting. Verses 12 through 16, this is the sixth plague. And um, we could probably spend a whole hour just on this section, but we'll, we'll just hit the highlights. <clears throat> now, we've seen the first five plagues being poured out on those who have the mark of the beast. We see that those who receive the plagues don't repent. They blaspheme God. Now, <clears throat> when we get to verse 12... <clears throat> we see what seems to be more symbolic language. Um, the drying up of the great river Euphrates, then you have three unclean spirits like frogs. Um, it's doubtful that we're going to have literal frogs coming out of a literal beast, dragon, and false prophet. So now, now we're starting to switch into symbolic language, and that becomes more apparent here. So you see the difference. The first five, it's very literal, water turning to blood, scorching heat, darkness, that sort of thing. Now you have frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And um, when you understand who the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet are, 
um, it's unlikely that you're going to have um, literal flood. It's, well, it's, I'm, it's not unlikely. It's not going to happen. This is symbolic language. So I'll just say that. We aren't going to have literal frogs coming out of a literal dragon, a literal beast, um, and a literal false prophet. It's going to be symbolic in nature. So what do we have here then? Starting in verse 12. Sixth angel, he pours out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. Now, where else in Scripture do we remember the river Euphrates drying up? Right, so it was when Babylon was overtaken by the Medes and the Persians in Daniel chapter 5. And Cyrus and Darius diverted the, the, the Euphrates River so that they dried up the river and they were able to come in and take Babylon down. That was when Babylon was destroyed. So now what we're, the idea that we're getting now is we're progressing through the seven last plagues. So the first five plagues are poured out. And then when we get to the sixth plague, now we start to see that God is preparing the way for the final destruction of Babylon. Now, in, in symbolic prophecy, what does water represent? Water represents peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And you see that in Revelation 17, 15, the next chapter over. So what you see here then is symbolically, modern Babylon starts to have its source of people um, taken away from it. And it would kind of make sense as you see these people are receiving plagues poured out upon them that... Um, the people that have supported Babylon would be dried up, that they would, Babylon would lose its source of support, the, the, the whole world. So God is drying up the great river Euphrates. Now notice this, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now who were the kings of the east in the book of Daniel that dried up the river Euphrates? So it was Cyrus and Darius. These were the Medes and the Persians. What's interesting is, um, what was the relationship of Darius and Cyrus? So, uh, yeah, Cy well, as far as I understand, Cyrus was the nephew of Darius. That was my understanding. I could be wrong, but I think that's correct. Darius was the uncle. Cyrus was the nephew. However, in that Eastern um, culture, you could, a nephew and an uncle could consider each other father and son. And Raja's nodding her head because she comes from that culture. So I have verification from someone in that culture. So that's nice. Um, so what... Right. So what's the significance of the father and the son coming from the east? So the kings of the east. Father and son. So what we see here is that Babylon is being destroyed. The river Euphrates is being dried up to prepare the way for the second coming. So this is significant. We're getting near the end of the seven last plagues. The second coming is getting closer. And I'm really looking forward to that time. How about you? And we see the world around us. Of course, I don't know what's going to happen with this economic crisis. But one, one thing that is clear is that it's a reminder that things can change quickly and that Jesus could come very soon. Now, as we see here then, so we have... The great river Euphrates is dried up. The kings of the east, the way of the kings of the east is prepared. Now, we get to verse 13. 
And we've read this. Now we see three unclean spirits like frogs. Um, where have we seen frogs again? Remember? Egypt. They were in the plagues of Egypt. Um, and the frogs were like, um, they were like gods to the Egyptians. So you, here you have three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth. We have a comment down here. Come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of, mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophets. So we're going to study what are these frogs and who is the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Comment. Uh, frogs have long tongues and they catch their prey with their tongues. So okay. it's by use of speech and they mm. deceive all these people. Okay, very good. Now, <clears throat> in, in, okay, we have a, a comment over here. Um, with, with respect to the, to the waters drying up, if waters symbolize people, possibly the Revelation 18, where the people no longer want to go in that city that they built, would symbolize the people have dried up. And they no longer want to follow the teachings that they adhered to in Revelation 18. Okay. <clears throat> now, here we have um, three unclean, unclean spirits like frogs. They come out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And in the time of Egypt, if you remember, um, the false prophets, when Moses and Aaron came, worked miracles to also create frogs to try to make it appear that Pharaoh and the Egyptians served the true God. And so they counteracted or they made a counterfeit to the true God of Moses, that Moses was representing the God of heaven. So the frogs were a counterfeit to the true God. And these frogs are unclean animals and they represent false or pagan gods. So those three characteristics, they represent a false or a pagan god, they counterfeit or counteract the true god, and they're unclean, help us then to understand that this, tri this trilogy of power, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Now, you'll see the connection between the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet with the three characteristics of the frogs that we saw in the plagues of Egypt. Um, the dragon in Revelation chapter 12 is represented as that dragon or the old serpent, the devil, and Satan. And when we think about the old serpent, the very first thing that he did way back in the Garden of Eden was he told Eve, ye shall not surely die. And so he was deceiving Eve through a false teaching of spiritualism, if you will, that you'll live forever. And in the last days, there will be a teaching that we do not really die, that we live forever, we just go straight to heaven when we die. So the, the power of the dragon, which is Satan, he works through his representative power on earth through this unclean spirit of the frog, through the power of spiritualism. And then you have the mouth of the beast. 
and we've already studied the seed of the beast. We've studied the beast back in Revelation 13. It's the beast that has seven heads and ten horns. It's the beast that received the deadly wound. That's papal Rome. So you have spiritualism, you have papal Rome, and then, then here it says, then you have out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, who is the false prophet? Let me show you a verse in Revelation 19. <clears throat> in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20, and here we see again the beast and the false prophet, and this gives us a clearer understanding of who the beast and the false prophet are. So the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. The false prophet who works miracles before the beast, this is the same as the second beast of Revelation 13. He makes fire to come down from heaven in the sight of men, causes the, the whole world to to worship the first beast. This is the second beast of Revelation 13. It's the lamb-like beast that speaks like a dragon. It's the United States. Now, so here you have spiritualism, papal Rome, United States. Now, wait a minute here. False prophet. When you think of a false prophet, do you think of a secular political power or a religious power? It's a religious power. So that tells us that the religious power, a religious power within the United States will combine with spiritualism and with papal Rome to, um, to bring out these three unclean spirits. These are the three unclean spirits. Now, who is um, a religious power that has an unclean spirit here in the United States? This would be apostate Protestantism. It's the evangelical, Pentecostal, um, ecumenical movement that is sweeping across this country that is trying to get everyone to come together. And so um, this is probably where we're going to finish today. We're, there's no way we're going to get to Armageddon and, and all that. And I'll get to you in a second, Carl. Oh, actually, go ahead, Carlos. Norm, I just wanted to make a, a, another point that might be, I don't know, might be of interest um, that the, the plague of the frogs was the very last pr uh, plague that the magicians could ape or mimic. Because after that, it was like the last great yeah. deception that they could do. That's um, a good so point. I, I, get, I get the idea that, that uh, this, all the, the signs and wonders uh, yeah. that these uh, three spirits, the unclean spirits, will do um, are, are the last that God permits to deceive the people. Absolutely, and that's a great point, Carlos. So the, the analogy is that in the Egyptian plagues, the miracle of the frogs that the, the um, magicians were able to reproduce was the last miracle that they could reproduce in the Egyptian plagues, and after that, they couldn't reproduce what God did. The same is true here in the seven last plagues. This is Satan's last-ditch attempt, his last miracle that he tries to perform to deceive the whole world. Now, to show that God is still with him. Now, by then, this is the close of probation. Um, so what we have here, and this is where we're going to wrap up, but <clears throat> these three powers are going to make one last pitch. Now, remember, the when the seven last plagues begin to be poured out, probation has already closed for the world. So these powers have already been working together before this time, but this is their last pitch. And I would just say this, now is not the time for Seventh-day Adventists to be going to the ecumenical movement 
and to try to become more like the ecumenical churches because those churches are going to eventually join in this trilogy of powers that will prepare people to receive the mark of the beast and that's not the side we want to be on. We want to be part of the faithful remnant church that receives the seal of God. We'll finish Revelation 16 next week and go into chapter 17 if we have time. So thank you everyone.